This is episode 545 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, Grid Down Food Tips and Tricks. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 545. Hey, just another quick little reminder, if you're in the Houston, KD, Cypress area, and you would like to attend Sunday morning church where they talk a little bit about preparedness and include that in the message. I'm going to be starting a new series on April 7th at my church. It's called Focus Church. You can get more information at focuschurch.com and there'll be a link in the show notes. Somebody asked me on YouTube because I've been doing some, if you don't follow me on YouTube, I've been doing some uh, daily vlogs, I guess, and uh, not not every single day, but just kind of as I feel uh, led to do that, you know, as I have a topic on my mind. And so on the way to work, I've been recording these and then in the parking lot, it's so cool. I can, I can just upload it. Right. And so it just, it just works out. But anyway, I've been doing uh, a kind of a, a series here this week and maybe for the next couple of days, but someone hit me up on YouTube and I'm assuming they listened to the podcast because they said, Hey, well, I hope that you upload your 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 series on Joseph, A Prepared Life, on YouTube. Now, for sure, it's going to be on Facebook because we do stream live on Sunday morning on Facebook, like I do a, a devotional on Thursday nights. But I don't know if I'm going to put that up on YouTube. I'm thinking I'm, I might use that at some point. I just don't know what that's going to look like. Um, you know, ultimately, I could rip the audio from the video and share it on the podcast. I could do that, but I don't know. Um, so we're going to see uh, how that goes and, and what happens there. And uh, hopefully everything, I'll cross my fingers, everything goes well, because sometimes we do have hiccups when we are live streaming. But anyway, uh, thanks for listening and uh, on on that and being, you know, asking that question. And again, if you don't follow me on YouTube, uh, I have been doing things there. And so I don't know, I might continue to do that. All right, so enough of me yapping. Let me go ahead and jump into our article of the podcast. It comes to us from Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and You.com. And again, the title is Grid Down Food Tips and Tricks. You know, sometimes there's a lot of things out there that are common sense, but sometimes there's things that maybe, mm, you know what, we've heard some, we've heard things on the internet or social media or somebody has said, oh no, that's going to be fine. And it's always good to make sure that we know exactly what we need to do when we're talking about food and water and we're in a situation where there is where we are grid down, right? And we want to make sure that we don't get sick because getting sick on top of being in a grid down situation, man, that is no fun. So let's go ahead and jump into this one. We need to drink and we need to eat. There's just no getting around those two facts. It doesn't matter if the grid is up or down. We need nourishment to survive and thrive. And that's why most prepping starts with those two key elements. If the stuff hits the fan, if the grid goes down, we dig into our storage and food and water and go on about our business, right? Well, that's a great plan 
In reality, it's a bit more complicated than just that. So let's take a look at some tips and tricks to make things go a bit more smoothly when the lights go out. When the lights go off, it's probably not the start of the end of the world as we know it, or even a stuff hit the fan situation. It's probably not an EMP or solar flare. More likely, it's an electrocuted squirrel that shorted out a transformer, or it's an ice storm dropping trees on lines. Of course, you probably know what's going on because of weather events in your area, like hurricanes, strong thunderstorms, flooding, etc. And if that's the case, you have extra time to prepare. Flooding, of course, presents a whole bunch of additional problems, so we will take a look at those as well. So no prepper relies on refrigerated and frozen food as their main source of prepping supplies. But most of us have a refrigerator and freezer full of food that we don't want to lose if the power goes out. Now, One obvious solution for this is a generator, which you can start and plug your appliances into. This has both good and bad sides, we are going to leave the pros and cons for generators for another series, but it will keep your food cold. All right, guys, and the other side of that, too, is if you can't afford a generator, like a, a whole house generator, maybe you're talking about five kilowatts, six kilowatts that could run everything but your air condition, then one of the things that you could look into that is a fraction of the cost is a inverter. And so you buy an inverter that is big enough to handle the, the, the first initial uh, surge of a refrigerator or a freezer. And that's the way that you can keep your vehicle or your vehicle. That's the way you can keep your refrigerator cold, right? And so you plug in the inverter to your battery on your vehicle while the vehicle is on. And then you run the extension cord to your refrigerator and to or your freezer or what have you, right? And so you need a big enough inverter to be able to take that surge, but then after that, it, it, it'll come down. So I think I've, uh, I have like a thousand watt inverter or maybe it's 750 watt inverter. And that's, you know, the peak, right? And so that's where you, you take that surge, but it has worked. It worked during Harvey. It's worked for me other times. And that way I know that, and I have a generator too, but it was just one of those things where, you know, it wasn't. Uh, hot enough to be able to you know turn on fans and stuff like that and so I didn't need to bust out the generator but I could go ahead and you know I wanted to keep my refrigerator cold and so you can run it for a few hours at a time that way you don't lose all the stuff that's in there and your your vehicle has a big gas tank and so if you are you know if you're preparedness minded you should be filling up and you know a hurricane is coming or big thunderstorm is coming you know all that kind of stuff is coming you want to fill up your vehicles anyway but at least you should have half a tank you know in your vehicle and that's still a lot of gas compared to five gallons that you would be pouring into a generator you know every so often if you were running it that way so again i highly highly recommend an inverter if you don't have anything else and that way you can run off the power on your vehicle and you don't lose hundreds, sometimes even thousands of dollars of food if you have you know, a big deep, uh, deep freeze freezer that you don't want to, you know, that, that, that's full of food is what I'm trying to say. All right, so let's go ahead and continue with the article. According to FEMA's food safety guidelines, without electricity, and this is quote, without electricity or a cold source, Food stored in refrigerators and freezers can become unsafe. 
Bacteria in food grow rapidly at temperatures between 40 and 140 degrees Fahrenheit. And if these foods are consumed, you can become very sick. Thawed food usually can be eaten if it is still refrigerator cold. It can be refrozen if it still contains ice crystals. To be safe, remember, when in doubt, throw it out. All right, so let me just comment on that. If you find yourself that you are not in a position to be able to save your refrigerator, then you know that I'm going to be busting open my freezer and I am going to be you know, hooking up my, my, my grill and I'm going to be grilling it out, man. You know, I'm going to be eating everything that I can from that, ref, that refrigerator and that freezer. If that was, you know, in the freezer, if you had a deep freeze, probably would stay, you know, uh, frozen a lot longer than just your refrigerator. But I mean, that's when you start calling over your neighbors and you build some goodwill and you're like, Hey, here you go, man. Uh, I had to do some steaks and because I'm going to lose them. And here you go. Here's some steaks. Right. And so definitely you don't want to just sit there while your refrigerator is defrosting and, you know, just warming up and all that food is going to waste. Man, have a party. Right. And, uh, you know, you might be in a situation where, you know, hurricane, thunderstorm, whatever. But as soon as you can bust open, uh, you know, bust open that refrigerator, that freezer uh, before it goes to waste and start up that grill and, and go to town, man. Have a feast. All right, so continuing on, in a normal year, under everyday circumstances, one out of six Americans will have an attack of food poisoning. I've had food poisoning a couple of times, and let me tell you, that's one dance you really don't want to step to. (laughs) All right, so just thinking about this is just bringing back memories. So when I was first married, my wife and I, we had just moved into an apartment I was changing the brakes on my car, so I went over to my parents' house so that I could use my dad's tools and stuff because I didn't have a place where I could do that in the apartment. And uh, my wife had gone, well, we had picked up some food, some fish, right? And there was this place that uh, we had eaten before and it was really good. You know, they had some really great fish. We stopped, we ate. And we, you know, we, uh, we went on to my parents' house. I started working on my, my, my breaks. My wife went with my mom, they went shopping or whatever. So I'm sitting there working on the breaks. And then I just felt so nasty. I had to get up and, you know, it was a little warmer outside. And so I, I had to, I had to puke. So I went over to the side and I puked and it was just nasty. Right. And so I go back to fi- fixing my vehicle and uh, my brother and his friend were there. We were talking. And of course it was nasty. We we're all joking that I threw up and all that kind of stuff. Well, I go inside, wash my hands, and I'm waiting for my wife to return, and boom, it hits me again. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so nasty. And by this time, I'm like, oh man, I don't even want to be thinking about what's going on here. So then she gets home you know, with my mom, and she's like, what's going on? I'm like, I don't feel good. I've thrown up twice. She goes, oh, well, you know, that kind of was so-so going down. I can just imagine it coming up. And just in her saying that, just got the juices flowing all over again. And I just ran to the restroom puking up. So this was so bad. And I've only had food poisoning once. So this is, it was so bad that I was throwing up every hour on the hour. It was really weird. And so like, you know, 12 o'clock in the morning, I'm throwing up. One o'clock in the morning, I'm throwing up. And it just seemed like every time I looked at the clock to get up to go puke, it was, you know, on the dot, you know, one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock. It got so bad for me that I had to sleep in a bean bag, right? I couldn't lay down. It's like laying down just caused me more more problems. So I just I slept in 
a bean bag and we didn't have too much furniture. I mean, we were just married, right? And that helped. That finally helped me. So I don't know if you ever get food poisoning. I don't know if that'll help you. Maybe sleep, sleeping, uh, sitting up. That seemed to work. But uh, yeah, I haven't had it more than once and I really don't want to ever have it again. But I didn't have it coming out both ends as uh, Salty is talking about here. So I'm going to continue and continue on with his story. He says, I can't imagine anything worse short of a long-term injury or dying to have going on during a grin down situation than sitting on a pot with a bucket in your arms, having it come back out of both ends, been there, done that, never wanted to go there again. So that's, you know, one of those things that I know we can laugh here. And as he was writing that, he might've been giggling too as well. But man, that's just, you don't want to ever go there. And so that's, you know, we're talking about this, this topic here. And you might think it's like, just duh, this is common sense. But when you're in that situation and you're losing all that food and, and maybe you've come home and you're not sure, man, you've got to, you've got to think, you know, hey, am I going to weigh the option of possibly getting sick or am I just going to waste all this food that's in here, right? And uh, so, you know, maybe there was an, an opportunity for you if you were there in, during a grid down situation, maybe you came back home and realized everything was turned off, right? So, uh, you know, there is some there is a way to kind of tell. Let's say you go on a vacation and you wind up coming back. You know, was did the lights ever go out, you know, long enough for things to defrost? So one of the things that I have heard, you know, and read about in the past is this. Take a plastic bottle and uh, or, you know, it could be a two liter, it could be a 20 ounce, whatever. But you're taking a bottle and you will fill it up a little bit with water, right? Maybe halfway, maybe three fourths of the way. And then you freeze it standing up. All right. And so uh, that way, when it freezes, the water, of course, it freezes and, you know, it's going to be like it was just right side up. And so then lay it down on its side. And then if you come back home from being on vacation or being away for a while and you open up your freezer and that or that uh, bo that plastic bottle, if the ice is still not where it was when you when it was right side up, let's just say that now the, the water is frozen and it was it's frozen in the container the way that it's laying down then you know that your freezer was warm enough for that water to completely defrost and then reform again after the the electricity came back on and your freezer kicked back on. And so, you know, that's one of those things that you can do and you might want to do that. If you're somebody who travels a lot or you're somebody who is going on vacation and you want to come back and you want to make sure that your, you know, your electricity didn't go off and your food is still okay. All right. So a little tip and uh, trick there. All right. So continuing on, Salty says, borrowing this from FEMA, here's their do and don't list. Do keep food in covered containers. Do keep cooking and eating utensils clean. Do discard any food that has come into contact with contaminated flood water. Do also discard any food that has been at room temperature for two hours or more. Do discard any food that has an unusual odor, color, or texture. Do use ready-to-feed formula. If you must mix infant formula, formula, use bottled water or boiled as a last resort. Now, don't. 
don't eat foods from cans that are swollen, dented, or corroded, even though the product may look safe to eat. Don't eat any food that looks or smells abnormal, even if the can looks normal. And don't let garbage accumulate inside, both for fire and sanitation reasons. So Spice recently did an article about cooking without power, which you can read by clicking here. Now, I'm going to tell you, there's not a link there. So I got to tell Salty, if there was a link, it's missing for whatever reason. So there are tons of ways to cook, but there are also some ways that can be very dangerous, like cooking inside using stoves designed for outside use. Don't do this. Bad dog, no biscuit. All right. Brings up a, a good point here. There, You do need to have ways to cook though, right? And so one of the ways that the easiest thing is if you have a barbecue grill, like I have a propane grill and I used to, I grew up just using charcoal all the time. And then at some point I moved over to propane just because it was just so easy to turn the sucker on and then you could start grilling right away, right? Or at least it, it would heat up. You didn't have to wait for the charcoal. Uh, although I think I prefer charcoal, you know, the just cooking over it, but still the propane. Anyway, so I love having the little side burner with my grill. And during Harvey, I even took pictures of it. That's how I, you know, heated up my coffee. That's how we took care of things, right? I do have camping stoves, but I didn't need to bring bring them out because that one little uh, grill, that one little stove, uh, stovetop on the grill was enough. And so that would be the easiest thing to do if you have a grill. Maybe you spend an extra $20, $30 or you're going to buy a grill maybe for the summer. Then buy one with that extra little stovetop on there. You might not ever use it you know, when you're, when you're really grilling, but you might use it in an emergency situation, right? Then if you don't have the ability to do that, maybe you live in an apartment or maybe you don't like to grill, at least you can get a camp stove. Sometimes you can find those at resale shops, you know, and there's not a lot to it. So you open it up and you can see if any parts are missing. And a lot of the times, you know, they're, they're in real good shape. So I think the next step would be to have one of those stoves, right? And then, of course, you can go on from there. There's other things you can do and, and stuff like that. But I think those are the two easiest. There's little butane stoves. You find a lot of those with just the little canisters or just like one burner. Uh, you see a lot of those like in uh, Europe or in Asia, right? So when you watch a video, you might see those. Uh, those come out, but you can see those in, or you can find them on Amazon is what I'm trying to say. And so th they do have those. Uh, I just, I don't know how long, you know, you can cook on those with those little uh, canisters of butane, but th they are out there. And so that might be something you might want to consider as well. So you do need to have a way of cooking the food, especially if you're talking about, you know, cooking a lot of food. If, if your refrigerator or freezer was, uh, it, you know, if the grid wasn't coming back and you were having to eat that food or it was going to spoil. All right. So moving on, what about the food that's in the fridge and the freezer? So again, FEMA hits the basics. So rather than reinvent the wheel, I'm going to borrow theirs and add to it a bit from my own experience. So keep the refrigerator and freezer doors closed as much as possible. The refrigerator will keep food cold for about four hours if it is unopened. Refrigerated or frozen foods should be kept at 40 degrees Fahrenheit or below for proper food storage. 
use a refrigerator thermometer to check temperature. So here's Salty's note. He says, this is something that every refrigerator and every cooler should have in it. They are cheap, buy several, and use them. So refrigerated foods should be safe as long as the power was out for no more than four hours, assuming you kept the food at 40 degrees or less. And I don't know about that. I think you could play around with that number a little bit more. And again, you know, with the inverter and all that kind of stuff. But if you, if you didn't have any of that, I think you could play around with that number just a little bit more depending on your actual temperature. Of course, it's going to depend on how fast your house warms up. And so, you know, that's going to play a part in that. All right. And also discard any perishable foods such as meat, poultry, fish, eggs, or leftovers that have been above 40 degrees Fahrenheit for two hours or more. Again, I'm going to be having a party. So here are a few more from my own experience. So you can safely store eggs without refrigeration if the eggs have been treated. We are going to teach you how to do this in a future article here on 3BY. You can extend the amount of time the fridge stays cold by keeping it full. If you have any extra freezer space, take gallon milk jugs or two liter bottles, fill them mostly full and freeze them. Make sure they don't burst. If they do, discard them. If they don't, these big chunks of ice will help keep frozen food in your deep freezer or function as an ice box in your refrigerator. Okay, that's a that's a great idea. That should be almost like a no-brainer for everyone. So if you have uh, space right now in your freezer or in a deep freeze, you know, do some two-liter bottles and get them in there. So, you know, and you can easily take them out, right? So if you wind up going to the store and bringing home a bunch of, you know, uh, frozen foods and you need to put them in the deep freeze, you just pull those two liters out, set them in the garage, you know, they'll heat up, whatever. And then as you eat the food, you can start replacing them, but it will really help out. It will cost, it will cut cost on your electricity bill as well, because your freezer won't have to work as hard to keep cool if, uh, if you have those two liters or, you know, gallon jugs in there. All right, so get some clear packing tape and tape your refrigerator and freezer doors shut. This will ensure that the doors are fully shut and more importantly, make it a pain in the tail to open them up, helping to ensure they stay closed as much as possible. And lastly, if it's winter and there is ice outside, the entire outdoors is your refrigerator. Just remember to block the critters access. So what about dry ice? Now, if you have time ahead of an event, like you know a hurricane is coming, you can lay in a good store of dry ice, and that will really help you weather a longer-term power outage, like several days, without losing a bunch of food. The key thing is you need to buy the ice before the lights go out. So many grocery stores and pharmacies sell dry ice, so keep your eyes open for the coolers. I know that my grocery store, Hy-V, has a dry ice cooler back in the dairy section. So a few dry ice tips from FEMA. Know where you can get dry ice prior to a power outage. 25 pounds of dry ice will keep a 10 cubic foot freezer below freezing for three to four days. So that's a good thing to remember there, right? So that's 25 pounds of dry ice will keep a 10 cubic foot freezer below freezing for three to five, three to four days. So if you use dry ice to keep your food cold, make sure it does not come in direct contact with the food and use care when handling dry ice, like wear dry, heavy gloves to avoid injury. All right, so dry ice, I'm gonna tell you, I don't know what it's like in other parts of the country here, at least where I live, 
it's not dry ice is not as simple as just going to your store and finding it and you know like in the back section or whatever so that is something that you would have to look for and then you know have some uh, a supply somewhere close by so if a hurricane was coming you could go get it right away all right so here's the last little section talking about bleach right so there's no greater friend to a prepper than bleach when the power goes out Here's a couple of things bleach does, and this is taken from Spice's article, and it's also linked below. So you can use it to clean water, killing most organisms that inhabit water, making it much safer to drink. A quarter teaspoon per gallon, followed by a one hour sit time before consumption, is what Washington State's public health people recommend. This will destroy bacteria, most viruses, and many other nasties. Now, cryptosporidium, a parasitic protozoan, is not reliably removed, but hundreds of other things are. It does taste nasty, but I'd absolutely take that over waterborne diarrhea diseases. All right, one other thing about bleach here is you want to make sure that it is unscented, that it's not like maximum strength or concentrated or anything, anything like that. You want just regular old bleach when you're talking about you know using it to... Uh, to disinfect water. All right, and so the second little piece here is disinfect surfaces. For casual cleanups, such as making a table in the laundry room, a suitable place to pack up bandages and other first aid supplies, one tablespoon per gallon is fine. For washing a surface you suspect is contaminated with someone's body fluids that you don't wish to share, one part bleach to nine parts water will do. This wash is even used to clean up nerve agent spills. A water rinse is suggested afterwards at that concentration bleach can corrode metal. All right, guys, so that just a little last little bit there when you're talking about being in a grid down situation and maybe needing some cleaners and stuff, definitely, you know, you can use bleach and uh, bleach will be your friend. There's a lot of other links here at the bottom that you might be interested in to click on. And like always, I'm going to link to this article in the show notes. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 545. Hey, if you are looking for more preparedness articles and you want the really good stuff, then I'm going to suggest that you go over to prepperwebsite.com. So there we link to somewhere between 8 to 12 articles, sometimes even more every single day, articles that are out there in the preparedness community, the best of the best, and so you don't have to go around poking around everywhere looking for articles, the good ones. You can come and know that you're going to get the very best ones at Prepper website. And so we do that for you 24-7. You know, where the podcast, we do this five days a week. We, we do Prepper website. We upload to Prepper website 24-7. And so there's always great stuff there. And so if you're new to the podcast and you've never uh, headed over to Prepper website before, just know that there's a lot more preparedness content over there. And there's pages that are dedicated to things like alternative news, frugal living, DIY, um, even conspiracy theories, right? And so there's just a lot of information over there that can help you as you are getting started in preparedness. And if you are new to the podcast or you are listening and you are not subscribed, I'm going to welcome you to come on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. And that way you can click on any of the podcast networks out there. We are on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, Stitcher. 
we're on all of them. And so uh, we make it pretty easy for you to, whichever podcast catcher you want to use, you can find the Prepper Website Podcast. And then even if you don't want to use a podcast catcher, if you want to go old school and just listen to it on the internet, well, you can always do that at the Prepper Website Podcast dot com as well maybe you're sitting at your desk at work and you want to you don't want to listen to music maybe you want to listen to the podcast you can easily do that that way hey guys and don't forget to connect with me i have a ton of ways in the show notes where you can connect with me in the prepper website and the prepper website podcast so with that choose to live a more self-reliant life choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind until next week stay prepped and aware Peace.